1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is found exclusively here on Chairshot Radio Network. I am Mags and... Um Unfortunately real life uh, has uh, has kind of dealt Badlands a blow this week. Uh, obviously, um we spoke last week about uh Ray Rance and his uh, and his uh, real life issues. Uh, so he's uh, obviously not here today. But also uh, Mr Toller in a stock cube related incident uh, has had to uh, has had to welch on this recording. Uh, so um get well soon, Mr Toller. Uh, feeling feeling a little bit under the weather. Um but essentially that means you've got got just me uh, and um my kind of thoughts on uh tolly's um tolly's topic from last week which was what if the ultimate warrior um was a success as wf champion um obviously when uh Tully and rare back will will kind of get their viewpoints on it but it gives me a chance to kind of get my my viewpoints down on this without uh the uh the diminutive little welshman uh, sticking his oar in um so yeah for for those wrestling fans who who don't know the story behind worrying when they heard the kind of rumors uh, and innuendo i'll fill in with a little bit of a backstory so uh jim helwig uh he started as a um, amateur bodybuilder pretty successful at it and uh, after about a year or so of going to these amateur tournaments he was invited to join a group of bodybuilders who were looking to form a pro wrestling team so after that invite he uh, he dropped his uh, his aspirations of being a chiropractor and a professional bodybuilder to uh, essentially throw himself into the the crazy world of, of professional wrestling Uh, And in less than three years, uh, Mr. Helwig had made his way to the biggest promotion in the world, the WWF, following uh, spots in the CWA, uh, Universal Wrestling uh, Federation, and World Class uh, Championship Wrestling. Uh, In in his uh, first year in WWF, he showed a hell of a lot of potential. Vince uh, really kind of saw something uh, unique in him and he ran through uh, a series of jobbers uh, and really kind of excited and enthralled the crowds with his his high-octane, unique, energetic entrances uh, where he would essentially full-on sprint to the ring, uh, violently shake the ropes. Uh, he had his own version of the, the hulking up uh, where he would, uh, he would be able to withstand the attacks of his opponents. Um, and usually would have the, the almost kind of Goldberg style matches where uh, two, three minutes he was in, beat down on his opponent and away he went. And what kind of set him apart from a lot of the the wrestlers uh, of that era was his his bright ring gear, the tassels around his arms, the colourful face paint and the body paint, uh, the body that looked like it was absolutely carved from granite. He essentially looked every single bit the the kind of late eighties early nineties WF superstar, kind of like a a large and laugh superhero. So he. Uh, quickly settled into feuds with rick rude and then a, a mini feud with hercules where he snapped hercules as chain and then a, uh, a little run with bobby heenan as the weasel uh, and he was then pushed into the the intercontinental title picture kind of like back then it was the stepping stone to the world title and kind of the the workhorse uh championship ironic that uh, somebody with as limited wrestling. Acumen as warrior was pushed into into that division. Uh but he ended up uh breaking the, the record setting title run of uh, the the honky top man in a 27-second uh, uh, squash match, meaning the Honky Tog's uh the reigners champion I think was four hundred and fifty four days. Um that was at the first ever SummerSlam and he claimed that title. He ended up that that same year captaining um uh and being the sole survivor of his own um survivor series team which was was a big deal for for a relative new com- in the company and it was clear he was being primed for for a main events uh position. Uh 1989 come round and he, this this year was a a year that cemented his his status in the company he kept hold of the IC title till WrestleMania uh, 5, lost it to Rick Rude, uh, then got it back at the next pay per view SummerSlam, and then he actually came out on top in a feud with uh, with Andre the Giant uh, that uh, ended with the two being opposing captains at Survivor Series in 1989. And yet again, Warrior was the victor and the sole survivor for his team, so uh, two years in a row he's been the one who stood tall at the end of the match. Um, and then when we get to 1990, we see that Warwick being kind of prone for a, a feud with then WWF champion Hulk Hogan. So the seeds were planted around the Royal Rumble when uh, we get a little bit of a face-off. Uh, Hogan went on to win the Rumble, and then the WWF went into full promotion mode, uh, wanted to push... Um, the, the match between the two biggest stars that they had at the time uh, Ultimate Warrior the Intercontinental Champion and um, Hulk Hogan the, the WWF Champion so we get to WrestleMania 6 where the, the, the Ultimate Challenge match uh, took place and at the time WrestleMania did absolutely uh, gangbuster numbers and it seemed that like we get uh, a passing of the baton almost from babyface to babyface uh when warrior beats hogan to retain not only his intercontinental title, um but also to go ahead and uh, win that WWE championship uh which would uh, be for the first and only time in his in his career then after mania warrior would revisit the the feud with his long-term rival rick rude he'd have a a a spat with uh, Ted DiBiase and he would end up teaming up with the Legion of Doom against uh, Demolition and then again at the third year running he was the captain and sole survivor uh, for his team at Survivor Series but then in the beginning of like 1991 um, real world issues uh, in in the Gulf inspired a, a WF storyline that would uh, eventually see Warrior drop the WF towel Uh, uh, Vince wanted to capitalise capitalise on the huge headlines that was being made from the uh, Iraqi invasion of Kuwait uh, and the subsequent Gulf War and Operation Desert Storm. So he and uh, his uh, creative team made the decision to have popular babyface and uh, real-life G.I. Joe uh, figure, Sergeant Slaughter, turn heel on on America and uh, start sympathising with the Iraqis and then with a little bit of interference from Randy Savage to kind of a, um push Warrior's next feud, uh Slaughter would go on to win uh, the WF title from Warrior at the 1991 Royal Rumble uh before he he dropped it to Real American Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7. Um Warrior would would uh would face Savage at 7, beating him in his uh in a career-threatening match before teaming back up with Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam to finally uh, put to bed the Iraqi-supporting uh, force. But in that build-up to uh, SummerSlam, Warrior was also involved in another uh, feud with uh, with The Undertaker and with Jake Roberts, uh, where Jake offered to help Warrior to learn about the dark side so he could go toe-to-toe with The Undertaker. Um, Jake then uh, tested Warrior with uh, three three tests. So first he locked him in a coffin to see if he could uh, cope with uh, with the darkness. Then he um, he was buried alive, uh, and then finally Jake had a Ultimate Warrior enter a room full of snakes uh, to look for a chest in the middle of the room. And when Warrior found this chest and, and opened it. Um, he was bitten by uh, a spitting cobra that was uh, hidden in the chest. And uh, as as he was uh, forming at the mouth and, and kind of getting, reacting to the, the venom, uh, Jake revealed that he and Undertaker were in on this from the start. But we never actually got any um, resolution to this storyline uh, because uh, not long after uh, SummerSlam, uh Ultimate Warrior was suspended from the company uh after he made several financial demands to Vince about payoffs, uh, including the WrestleMania payoff. Uh he no showed some events. He threatened to no show uh SummerSlam, so Vince paid him to make sure the show went ahead and then subsequently he was uh he was suspended pretty much the day after. Um, Vince would return to uh, to Warrior uh, when Hogan was set to leave the company in, in 1993. Um, Warrior ended up coming back at WrestleMania VIII, uh, but by the time Survivor Series came around that year, uh, he was out of the company again. Uh, financial demands and uh, threats to North Shore uh, events um, was was the final straw, and Vince uh, Vince cut uh, Ultimate Warrior from the company. Um, we would eventually see him come back uh, a couple of years later uh, final uh, four month run in the company where he came and essentially squashed him to Hurst Helmsley at Wrestlemania 10 had a feud with Goldust over the Intercontinental title uh, and had a spat with uh, Jerry Lawler before he was eventually released again um, for, for no show events so that is kind of like the backstory of a uh, Ultimate Warrior and his uh, dalliances with the WWF obviously he then went on um, to appear on the Indies, had a a run in uh, WCW where he got his uh, rematch with Hogan and eventually made his way back to uh, the WWF uh, to be entered in the Hall of Fame after a lot of animosity Uh, and unfortunately after he uh, he did his uh, farewell speech on Raw after WrestleMania uh, he ultimately passed away um so yeah it's a, a sad end to what was a an extraordinary life in the world of wrestling but when um when i went to kind of look into this story i didn't think there was much meat on the bone to be fair um but once you start kind of delving into the career and the numbers and the, the kind of um, the, the fan love that this, this guy had, um, I ended up asking myself whether Warrior was actually a, a failure as a champion. Now, if you take the ref rhetoric, especially with the, the kind of uh, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD that was put out uh, a few years ago, uh, and the way he's kind of been portrayed... Uh, uh with with kind of um post uh um new generation era as I suppose. Uh you would think that it was an absolute flop, uh in terms of uh in terms of drawing power and in terms of uh uh fan uh fan appreciation. And whilst it was true that audience numbers were dwindling at the time, um, I don't know if that can solely be placed on the shoulders of Warrior. Uh, firstly, those numbers were dwindling uh, at the back end of that that run that Hogan had had. had in. He certainly wasn't the the huge superstar that he was in perhaps the the, the mid to late eighties. Um, and whoever took that kind of spot from Hogan. Was always going to struggle to uh, live in the shadow of of Hulkamania. Um, looking uh, at the bar rates, um, I think that that Warriors uh, Warriors short lived time on the top more than held its own. Um, so before we go into those uh, numbers, I uh, just want to give a quick pause and uh, uh, be able to pay those bills. Um, so definitely go and check out uh, the chair shot. Uh, Pro Wrestling T-Sat uh, I know Pro Wrestling T's have had a, a, a torrid time of it uh, uh, recently uh, but definitely go and check out some of the amazing t-shirt designs that we have over there it helps keep the lights on over here uh, at Chairshot, helps us provide this content for you every single day uh, for free uh, and whilst you're there please check out the, the com. it's an absolutely amazing resource for opinions news, analysis um, podcasts uh, written pieces yeah everything that you want in in terms of wrestling content you can certainly find it over there at the chair shot so please go and check them out promotional consideration paid for by the following
3: hey folks PC Tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chair shot to save 10% That's angrylemonade.net.
2: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator ten for ten percent off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome back uh, to Badlands, and yeah, let's uh, let's get into those uh, those um, st- numbers and statistics. So let's go to SummerSlam 1990, which was uh, the first event with Warrior as uh, as champion. That got uh, 507,000 bars. So this was down from the previous year, um, which got 625,000 bars. But if you compare it to the next SummerSlam, um, which is the, the um, Match Men in Heaven, Match Men in Hell SummerSlam, uh, with Hogan um, and Warrior versus the Sympathizers, um, and with Savage and um, Miss Elizabeth having their wedding. Um, that that figure was actually four hundred and five thousand uh, bars. Now you would, um, if you would believe the kind of rhetoric and the history, you would think that that was the the way bigger SummerSlam. But yeah, uh, it got almost a uh, uh, hundred, just over a hundred thousand bars less than the 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 one where Warrior was the was the. The, the champion. Then we will go forward to 1992, the, one of the most infamous Summer Slams, uh, the one from Wembley Stadium, uh, headlined by Bulldog and Bret Hart for that uh, in that epic for the RC title that Actually, only got 280,000 bars. Now, um, I understand that that's because of uh, of logistics of it being a, a UK show and it being shown at a, a very um, unorthodox time in in the US, but again, it's still um, a huge show and really kind of revered in, in the annals of wrestling history. But it got almost half of the bars. That uh, the uh, warrior on top in in SummerSlam 1990 got. So then let's fast forward to uh, to Survivor Series, uh, Survivor Series 1990 with a with a warrior as as champion. Uh, that got four hundred thousand bars, and this was actually up on Survivor Series 1989 uh, by fifteen thousand. That got three hundred eighty five thousand bars, but then you fast forward. Uh, to the next SummerSlam, which actually headlined with Hogan versus Undertaker uh, for the title, the bar rates dropped to three hundred thousand. So they lost twenty uh, five percent, hundred thousand bars. Um, then finally, let's uh, compare Royal Rumbles. Uh, Nineteen ninety one was the rumble where Warrior um, was champion, lost his title to Sergeant Slaughter, and it was also the the rumble where Hogan went on to win. Um, that got 440,000 bars, uh, which was well up from the 1990 uh, Royal Rumble, which also saw Hogan win, uh, obviously leading to that uh, the, the match between Warrior and Hogan at WrestleMania 6. The bar rate for the 1990 Royal Rumble was 260,000. And then by the time we rolled round to uh, the next Royal Rumble, 1992, arguably the greatest Royal Rumble ever, uh, with Ric Flair uh, winning the title uh, by winning the, the, the Royal Rumble match that only got 260,000 bars so I think almost half of what uh, the, the Royal Rumble got when uh, when Ultimate Warrior was on top um, so these kind of figures for me flying the face of, of Warrior uh, being a flop especially financially as a champion but I do feel that there are several factors to why um, the run of the warrior um, wasn't as successful, or what, doesn't uh, doesn't get looked upon as being as successful as as perhaps it could have, or perhaps it should have. Um, so I want to go through uh, a few of those points, and it's kind of a, a different. Slant on uh, standard uh, badlands that we've we've uh, we've uh, come to have on this show. Normally, I would kind of uh, try and run a timeline. but for me, I think that, um, going through the the details of of Warrior and his runs in in WWF and what could have changed had a, had decisions gone different ways, I think it, it's more kind of pertinent to to talk about the the issues that went wrong and and kind of sum it up um, at the end, uh, which is what I'm going to attempt to do. Um, so please bear with me. Uh, so the first point i think that was a, an issue was that he warrior as a character didn't connect with teens and adults in the same way that he connected with the younger audience uh, the kids the pre-teens absolutely adored warrior because he was this overtop, colorful kind of superhero style character Whereas uh, teens and adults certainly didn 't have that uh, that same feeling towards him, and certainly didn 't share that that feeling that they had with Hogan. Hogan had this unique appeal to almost every demographic of of the wrestling fan base kids looked up to him as a as a hero. Teens adored him as somebody to aspire to—a a really kind of a um, honorable figure. Adults loved the unashamed good guy Americana of of Hulk Hogan, and the, the older generation, They Hogan was, was like the, the the link to wrestling path for them. So he had a real kind of a, a cross demographic appeal where I think Warrior just didn't have that. He had uh, a very significant kid uh, appeal, uh, but that didn't necessarily translate as you go up through the generations. So the second point, uh, and I think this is going to be one that may be contested by by Ray and uh, Paul when we hear their viewpoints on, on this topic, uh, was um, I don't think the, the bat on pass from Hogan worked properly um for me it felt that face and face title matches uh they just didn't seem viable establishing a new star at the top of the company especially when you consider who one of those faces were so you look back at previous moments that have, have kind of cemented wrestler statuses in the WWF. so you look at hogan at, at wrestlemania 3 um Slamming Andre, the giant was absolutely huge for him in, in, in the content of, of the WWF. But before that, he'd he'd already been champion. He didn't. Uh, this wasn't his kind of a, ascent to uh, to the WWF title. This was um, this was more uh, um, a, a WrestleMania moment for him. Then you go to uh, WrestleMania Five, uh, where Macho Man um, finally proved he could go toe to toe with uh with hulk hogan yeah granted he lost but it was in one of the the best matches uh up to then uh that the wf had, had put on but he again had already been wf champion he'd won the title at a previous wrestlemania so i think that giving um giving warrior his first taste of wf title against hulk hogan at wrestlemania uh, meant that he had to instantly fill those boots uh that that were being left by Hulk Hogan rather than kind of cement his already kind of established legacy uh, as WF champion by beating Hogan. I think throwing all those factors in at once um it left him a lot to live up to and he, he it from um from looking back at it it doesn't it doesn't seem like he was able to do that. So then, the third point uh, for me, uh, and this is a huge issue, and it's one that we we see time and time again, is that Hogan didn't go away after after the loss. Uh, in the aftermath of this baton being passed, um, Warrior should have been able to have his time in the sun to kind of get out of that that uh, shadow of Hulkamania. But fortunately, Hulk Hogan, being Hulk Hogan that shadow lived on. Uh, Hulk went straight into a feud with Earthquake and then uh, led into a storyline where he was considering retiring and that the, the, the viewers were asked to send letters and postcards in, in order to convince Hogan to stick around. Uh, and by the time we get to SummerSlam of that year, Hogan's back as a full-time wrestler. Uh, so Warrior wasn't given his, his time to shine at the top of the company before... The, the focus was shifted back onto Hogan and yet again and as we'd see further in his career Hogan found a way to stay in the limelight by stunting another person's uh, day in the sun essentially. Another major sticking point and point number four on, on my list is that um, essentially Hogan had already beaten everybody so by the time uh, Ultimate Warrior came in and had the ultimate challenge beating Hulk Hogan at Wrestlemania there was nobody really viable to step up to, to warrior to be his 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 next feud, and uh, when you have that, that first run as a champion, you need uh, you need a really strong first feud to cement yourself as as um, someone who deserves to be champion, someone who looks relevant as a champion. Ultimate Warrior just didn't get that. Uh, hogan had already pretty much beaten every heel and the only heel uh, that would have looked viable at the time was the earthquake and who went into a, a storyline with earthquake mr hulk hogan um so that, this meant whoever warrior faced Hulk hogan didn't have the 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 star power or didn't have the gravitas to uh to legitimize warrior as world champion uh, which then kind of like fades straight into point number five that warrior had really poor post-wrestlemania poor booking um so as i said going hand in hand with that point of uh, number four the booking did not help warrior cement himself as champion they went straight to rehashing a feud uh, with rick rude um which like i said was a was a massive waste of time when you had the potential of the earthquake feud ready made. Earthquake was already um, making waves in the in the company. He they had that that storyline where he taken out Hogan and Hogan was asking the fans for letters uh, to uh, to convince him to not retire. That could have easily led to Warrior uh, being. Uh, being the person who slays the earthquake to to really kind of unite the the Hulker maniacs and the and the little warriors and kind of essentially to cement himself as as the world champion. Uh, but instead he got the, the run with Rick Rude, which uh whilst Rick Rude was was good at carrying the warrior to a great match, it didn't have the the, the gravitas that that a first feud should have had. And then once we got past the stuff with Rick Rude, we had Warrior teaming up with LRD for, for a long time in their, in their uh, kind of battle with demolition. And whilst that's essentially a dream match for for wrestling fans around the time, I mean, LRD were were the hottest thing uh, in terms of tag teams and they're teaming up with the, the WF champion, it should have been a, a massive thing. It meant that, it did very little for warrior uh, as champion it didn't uh, he didn't have that that legacy of wf as wf champion because he did little to elevate the title because of the the people who he was put up against so next um and point number six and we're getting to the end of these points uh soon don't don't uh, don't fret Um, So number six is there was bad timing with real life events. And I mentioned this up uh, a little bit earlier, uh, that the Gulf War and the aftermath from that uh, really hurt Warriors' run as as champion because he wasn't the the all-American hero, the the person to slay the Iraqi um, invaders uh, that the WF and Vince wanted to capitalize on. There was only one man for that for that role, and that was Hulk Hogan, and only Hulk Hogan. So when uh, Iraq versus the U.S. was happening in real life, Vince wanted to quickly transition to um, a WWF counterpart, uh, and having Slaughter as a heel and the Iraqi sympathizer, and then Hogan as the savior of the world. Props to Sah uh, over on uh, Chain Wrestling. You uh, you'll get a little uh, a little pop from that um it made all the sense in the world to to transition to that to have hogan uh be the the, the guy that vanquishes the uh the iraqi uh, sympathizers and unfortunately warrior was a victim of that circumstance but it if it was just that that bad timing you could uh you could forgive the the w f for, for wanting to capitalize and then going back to the well with warrior but unfortunately and then the final uh the final uh point i want to make is he had bad attitude problems uh vince and warrior were were uh, consistently but- butting heads over things like money, uh, we've we've spoke about how he held SummerSlam up to ransom, and he was uh, no-showing events more and more often. And this was kind of a, a death knell for for Warrior to be a viable, uh, long-term and reliable replacement for Hulk Hogan. Uh, had he not had these kind of these issues, uh, uh, these delusions of grandeur, uh, there there could have easily been a, a timeline where Warrior has multiple runs as world champion and eventually does become that, that guy to uh, take over at the top uh, once Hulk Hogan had left in 1993. So, yeah, those are, for, for me, the big uh, factors in in why the Warrior run uh, isn't looked at as, as successful as perhaps it could be. Um, and we'll just have a, another quick break uh, before I go into... essentially the what ifs uh, and what could have been different for for Ultimate Warrior Uh, but yeah definitely uh, like I said earlier go and check out Pro Wrestling Tees slash The Chair Shot and go and get yourself uh, some amazing uh, quality merchandise and check out some of the the rest of the content creators here on Chair Shot because they work tirelessly to provide you with uh, with daily content Uh, so yeah go and show them a little bit of love
0: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShop.com.
1: Welcome back to Badlands. Um, so let's get into uh, my views on what potentially could have happened uh, had these issues with the Warrior uh, not have uh, caused him to butt heads with Vince not caused him to leave the company and not kind of stunted his run as uh, as world champion um, so I, um, in kind of like a, a different take to these uh, badlands I want to actually focus on uh, something um, that that had the potential to fundamentally alter the wrestling timeline uh for for what I would consider one of the pillars of wrestling law and something that we've covered uh quite extensively on on the show uh in in other topics uh and it's something I didn't really kind of factor in until um un, until i i was kind of working down the timeline of what could have potentially happened. Um, with with Warrior and uh, being champion So as I mentioned before Going to SummerSlam 1991 uh, Warrior was embroiled in a feud with Jake Roberts uh, And The Undertaker And if Warrior didn't have his, uh, his clash with Vince Over money and attitude and no showing uh, events uh, That feud would have continued post SummerSlam uh, And in this period of WWF uh, feuds were very slow-burning affairs, and with the the three players in this story, this certainly had legs to go on far beyond SummerSlam. So instead of hot uh, Undertaker into a, a mini-story with with Hogan uh, and Ric Flair on on the periphery of of, of the town, uh scene, I think Undertaker continues in this in this storyline with with the Ultimate Warrior. Um, continues with his alignment with with Jake Roberts. We could have uh, easily uh, transitioned to Hogan versus Flair uh, being the title feud, which obviously would have uh, led to the 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 biggest names facing off at, at, at WrestleMania. Um, the match that that we should have as probably had in the the, the W F and not uh, eventually had some decades later in in WCW when they were both well well past their prime. Um, but I think on the undercard of, of, of that WrestleMania, we um, we could have built to um, to a really interesting storyline. Uh, at Survivor Series, we could have had Jake uh, finally getting his his, uh, his comeuppance from the from the Warrior. Uh, That then could lead to Warrior versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 8. So you would have WrestleMania 8 headlined by Hogan versus Flair instead of Hogan versus uh, Sid. Then you would have uh, on the undercard, um, Warrior versus Undertaker. So now we have to bear in mind that uh, Undertaker had only made his WrestleMania debut uh, the previous year, WrestleMania 7, when he beat um, Stucker. In the original timeline, he goes on to face Jet the Snake again in a kind of almost a, a rushed end to this storyline, to essentially cut out the Warrior's uh, role in it. Uh, he beats uh, Jet the Snake, but I think if we uh, if Warrior is still in the picture, uh, we see the end of something that essentially wouldn't really be acknowledged as a as a thing until two thousand and five uh I think we would see Warrior beating Undertaker at WrestleMania 8 uh before going on to regain that title um at SummerSlam nineteen ninety two. Um so yeah essentially uh Warrior breaks the streak before it becomes the streak. Uh and again that like I said that's a, a, a fundamental shift in what became one of the biggest kind of stories over the the past twenty years of wrestling, since two thousand five, when when Randy uh, essentially attempted to uh, end the streak for the for the first time when it was first acknowledged as a streak, going all the way through the Triple H's attempts to end the streak, CM Punk, um, all the way through the the, the 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 retirement matches of Shawn Michaels to Brock eventually beating the streak, Roman, um, yeah, I think uh, this. This one event, this one kind of a, a match with with Warrior, uh, this one change in the in the in the path of of a one wrestler, would have a, a massive effect on the world of wrestling. And it's really interesting how these little ripples end up being almost tsunamis of change when it comes to uh, the grand scheme of wrestling. Something that I really didn't. Um, factor in when I was uh, when I was looking uh, at the backstory of, of, of Ultimate Warrior and, and how things could have been different, and I really wanted that to be kind of the the huge takeaway. I wanted to leave uh, Paul and 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 Ray with that thought and and kind of hear their feedback on it. But as I kind of more uh, delved into um, what potentially could have happened. Um, Something else really kind of struck me as well. That There's actually a knock-on effect that I didn't originally foresee. Uh, And in a similar way that the booking of Hulk Hogan stunted the rise of The Warrior in this situation, but also the rise of of other wrestlers. In a world where Warrior is on top of the WWF uh, for, for longer runs that can kind of stunt the rise of one of the more popular wrestlers in the history of the sport. Um, so I, I have the, a feeling that Warrior returning to the top of the card, it kind of takes up a spot that that was filled by one Bret Hart. Uh, he emerged from the rubble of 1992 to uh, go to WrestleMania Nine as champion. Obviously we all know what happened there when uh when Hogan politicked his way to lead the show as as champion. But in this world where Warrior has taken that mantle from Hogan, Hogan doesn't Hogan isn't there to politic, but also that spot that Brett is occupying is occupied by Ultimate Warrior. So you don't see that elevation from Brett um from the tag team division to the intercontinental level uh, all the way to world level in the same kind of pathway as it did originally. And then there's also kind of another uh, another kind of a domino effect here and it's it's really kind of been interesting looking back at this and, and kind of following the, the pathways, following the, the, the strings, how these uh, inter, intertwine and interconnect. So without that rise of Bret Hart would we see the rise of Shawn Michaels in the same way that we did? There's no long-term feud between Hart and and, the HBK over the titles, no hatred and professional and personal jealousy festering between the two. Essentially, uh, what I'm getting at is Ultimate Warrior could have totally negated two of the biggest travesties in Bret Hart's career because there would be no need for Hogan's politicking um to walk out of WrestleMania 9 as as champion. But then in the same breath there would be no need for the the Montreal screw job that sees Brett leave the company altogether and then in in, in a similar vein there would be no spot currently for Brett at the top of the division. It's a real kind of tangled web. Uh, and like I said we've no Brett at the top do we see that that rivalry that, that drags Shawn Michaels up? Because we covered it in a in a, a previous show how the the personal vendetta that that Shawn Michaels had against Bret is what spurred him on to be world champion caliber uh, of a wrestler. Uh, it was wanted to better the the achievements of Bret Hart that that spurred Shawn Michaels on. So without Bret Hart reaching those hats do we see Shawn Michaels reach those hearts and then uh the the final kind of thought i want to uh, end on is we don't see all the politicking of of hulk hogan uh especially in that in that kind of post um wrestlemania um seven run where hogan uh is trying to kind of relive the the glory years of a uh, of uh, the late eighties, early nineties, uh where he essentially overstayed his welcome. We see him in, in uh in the topic of WrestleMania eight, forces his way into WrestleMania nine, then eventually goes away and becomes this huge star in, in WCW after kind of floundering at the beginning. Um do we see that? Do we see um Hogan's star power rise again uh with the NWR, perhaps, but perhaps not. Uh it's uh it's a very kind of tangled, wrinkled um pathway to to the the outcomes of of wrestling, I suppose. Uh but this is one um topic that I would really love to hear other people's uh opinions um on. It's um it's been interesting kind of throwing my uh, thoughts out to the void without having the the kind of uh, the back and forth with with Ray and Paul. Um, um, perhaps my views would have been different if if I got their instant feedback and, and thoughts on it. And I'm sure we'll hear their um, their opinions and their views and 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 the the things they agree with and they don't agree with over the next few weeks. But I'd love to hear you guys uh, <laughs> listening out there your views and your thoughts on this. Do you think I have gone way off track, or uh, is there things that I may have missed, or is there uh, thoughts that uh, that you agree with, that you disagree with? Let us know uh, on on the Twitter sphere. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that about wraps up Badlands for this week. Um, thank you for for putting up with me waffling in your ear for the for the past 40 minutes or so uh yeah this was a really interesting topic topic by uh mr toller it's a, a shame i haven't been able to kind of get his his viewpoints on this um but that leaves me to uh for one thing before we we wrap up and that's the topic for next week and i think i've got um a very interesting um question to pose to uh, you the listeners and to Ray and Paul and that is what if The Rock wasn't a success in Hollywood? So we all know that The The Rock left to be one of the biggest stars in the world um, potential future president of the, of the USA most uh, uh, highest paid uh, movie star of all time. Uh, what if that flopped what if that never happened um what would the wrestling landscape and hollywood landscape be if uh if the rock hadn't been a success in hollywood um so yeah that's uh next week's topic um all that is left for me to do now is uh is the social medias and we are out of here um so you can follow me personally on on the twitter at PodfatherMags. um you can follow um mr ray cash uh, and definitely go and show him i uh, love he's having a very very tough time of it now and uh ray rants um i love your brother um can't wait to hear you uh, hear you again sir uh, but you can follow him at its real cash and you can follow Paul if you want no, no bother if you don't want. Um, at Ray encounter, yeah, definitely go and give Paul a follow. He's a an absolutely amazing guy. Um, definitely, as I've said earlier, check out all the rest of the content here on Chairshot, where um, it's absolutely amazing the amount of top quality content in not only in audio but in also in written on the Chairshot.com that that uh, this group of creators put out. And um, yeah, definitely go and check them out. Uh, but as as always, we. We have one rule here around our uh, Badlands and that is uh, whether you are formulating a what if, a Mount Rushmore or just debating the wrestling topics of the day, you must always, always use your head. Bye bye guys.